This is your host, T. This is your host, Tia. Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Top 10. Why? Geek Vibes Nation. Geek Vibes Nation. 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 The Top 10. The Top 10. That's what you do. I always do Skype to start recording. Um, All right. Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome back to another amazing episode of the Top 10 for Geek Vibes Nation. As always, I'm your host, Tia, and I have with me after her two-week hiatus from the Top 10, I'm so glad that she's back, my partner in crime, Brittany. How are you doing? going to say she sounds like, oh my god, I love you, but she will murder me. I, I need that on record. <laughs> I need that on record. Brittany, um, Brittany showed up late this morning, and it did give me a little bit of uh, stress, anxiety. anxiety. I, I, I just grew up with it being... Uh, stressed to me that being on time was a very important thing, and you know, so that <laughs> keep in mind. Okay, so we'll talk about like the the two weekends I, I I was gone, but I will say, besides those, I've always been on time, and you know what? You know how they say a broken clock is right at least twice. I just so happen to be wrong. Twice every now and then, possibly, maybe. <laughs> I mean, there was there was one time, probably about a few months ago, that you uh, you slept in. I didn't hear from you till like mid afternoon. I was like, this bitch. But we're not we're we're not here to walk down memory lane of Brittany oversleeping because that's something that happens quite often. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. Oh, I'm just very happy. I'm just very happy that you're. I'm just very happy that you're back. How's it feel um, to be back after two weeks? I will say that I had Bryant on last week, and we did a great job breaking down the top ten best couples in movies and TV shows, kind of like a late Valentine's Day um, top ten. And it was pretty interesting, but, you know, no one can replace you. Oh, that's the nicest thing you've ever said. But you know, you're lucky I wasn't there for that one. Because it would have been, because it would have been Hannibal. <laughs> it would have been Hannibal. Oh man, if you, if this is your first time tuning in, welcome. By the way, Brittany loves Silence of the Lambs. She loves Sir Anthony Hopkins as Hannibal Lecter, and will find any excuse to put him on any list. And it doesn't matter what list it is; she will. But and listen, no judge. I've done that with plenty of people. Um, I just know that every time I'm going to see Hannibal Lecter and Clarice on my list. <laughs> Dude, okay, it's a given. It's a given. I mean, how can I not, though? Have you seen him? Have you seen her? Have you seen such a true love? Gross. (laughs) Never mind. Somebody's going to come for me. (laughs) But um, what was I going to say? Yeah, I'm happy that you're back. And I'm happy that you are back for this particular episode because it is one that I've been waiting for us to do. 
Um, it is the top 10 best American Gods moments from season three so far. So just to let everyone know, first of all, there are going to be spoilers, obviously. Um, and this podcast is going to cover episodes one through five. So then Brittany and I, what'd you say? I didn't say anything. Uh, I guess I heard myself or something. Uh, we're doing episodes one through five here, and then we'll get back after the season finale to do episodes six through ten. Normally in the past, we've done um, American Gods season one best moments and American Gods season two best moments, but I kind of like this that we're breaking it up with you know the first half of the season and the second half of the season just because then we can really dive into such amazing scenes without trying to squish them all into one um podcast but Brittany, what have you been thinking about american god season three so far i think it's probably the best season between tech and bilquist and shadow i'm not i'm not gonna lie i fully disliked Shadow for, like, a long time. I did not think he was cool. I did not think he was fun. I thought he was just boring. I was like, dude, I don't know why we have you here, but I don't like you. And, like, I don't know. He's actually been very tolerable this season. <laughs> I I would have to agree with you. Um, I'm loving season three. You know, there was a... I, and I went back and re-listened to our season two where I talked about how people could not stop talking about the behind-the-scenes drama, and I was so tired of hearing about it. And I feel as if I'm more aware of the behind-the-scenes stuff that happened before season three. Um, so it made me a little nervous just how people were going to say receive it. There's a lot different, right, in season three. It's no more really a road trip. It's kind of stationary. You have a lot of characters, a lot of new faces, a lot of characters that never existed within the book that are just being made for the show. Um, so not that I was hesitant. I was just really curious and I'm loving it I feel that it's very on track it feels like you can tangibly know where it's going um and as you said I I think Shadow's great he's not boring anymore I thought he was so boring the first two seasons he was so dry he was so dry like I wanted to make a Gordon Ramsay joke but I can't I I, I just <laughs> I let it go to you. I couldn't. I couldn't think of anything good. But just know, there was a Gordon Ramsay joke in for how how dry he is. No, exactly. I mean, it feels as if Ricky Whittle has put in has given a little bit more personality to the character. Um, and there was something I was thinking about with Billquist, right? So, um, you know, in the first two seasons, like obviously Queen, right, and just yeah. so majestic but almost as if like she wasn't even say a person she was more of like this thought process because it's like all we really saw of her was just kind of like this very like centrally moving person and she said only maybe a few lines and all that and in season three you know she has this personality she's you know discovering herself and you know episode five was where she has this like really nice conversation with shadow that you wouldn't ever think would happen in American gods. And that was so amazing. Um, like she, she's funny. Bill Quist. I, I'm telling you, she's funny. Um, 
I know this will probably be on our list, but I'm going to mention it really quick. Like when Tech Boy was trying to recruit her again, and she's just like, no. Like to me, just the timing of that was so hilarious or how she told Shadow that, you know, the path to spiritual awakening is best with fries. I'm like, Bilquis is kind of funny. I, I, I like this side of her. <laughs> there was so much in there with, like, Bilquis. I was like, because we always liked her. And I feel like, you know, that was kind of like the meme with her was like, oh, the vagina nebula. And, like, that was more of what I knew about her than anything else because it was such a jarring moment and kind of set the stage for, you know, for for the whole series because you're like, what the hell just happened? So it's nice to, like, actually truly see more of her of, like, her thought process, what she's been through. Because I know we got, like, her past before, but I did feel like, like, she was more used for, like, shock value initially. And to see her actually, like, fleshed out as a character is super nice. 100%. I have to agree with you. I'm just loving the attention to details with all of the characters so far. Um, before we get into our list, I do have the one last thing I wanted to ask you. Um, so we're doing episodes one through five. I know you haven't watched episode six yet, but it's not too much of a spoiler. It's in literally the, um, the advertisement. So Danny Trejo makes his um, appearance as Mr. World in episode six, which I think is phenomenal. But what do you think about these different worlds? Because we have Crispin Glover still playing Mr. World. We have Dominique Jackson playing Miss World. And we have Danny Trejo playing another Mr. World. Um, So far, I'm loving it. But what do you think about it? I do, too. But I almost wonder, do you think that they're able to, those different personalities are able to interact with one another? Because when, remember when it goes, someone's handsome and you're like who what (laughs) like like is miss world saying that is he just like i don't know stroking himself like what what was that moment and i may be looking too much into it but i am curious to why he would suddenly say that out of nowhere yeah it did seem a little strange i always felt as if crispin glover's version of mr world was a little um, you know, unhinged. We saw that in season one where he decided to do a whole thing where he talked about um, what Shadow Moon's mother's orgasm face was. So, you know, he's always what? been a little, say, yeah. remember? Remember I that? I do remember, but, like, my brain must have blocked it out because when he said that, I was like, what the fuck? And then I went, oh, yeah, that that happened in, like, one of the first episodes. <laughs> So he's always been a little, like, uh, peculiar. So I, I'm not sure what that is, but I don't know if they can interact with each other. I think maybe it's – I think the whole thing is just that world is just ever-changing, right? Um, and I thought that it was an interesting choice, and I'm not going to – I know that I said that this uh, podcast was spoilers, right? But spoilers for the things that we've already seen. I was talking to – um his name is michael cook he's on twitter uh thoroughly modern review um he 
is a fantastic American Gods super fan. We actually did a podcast before the third season came out, and he and I exchanged theories every once in a while, and the both of us have read the book. So we know the big reveal at the end, um, and we know the big reveal when it comes to a certain character that we've just been talking about, and we both wondered how they were going to do this reveal in the context of, say, the show, and he was saying that with them showing that Mr. World or World can be interchangeable, that that would make sense as to how they would integrate the big reveal. And I'm not going to say it, because I don't know if they're going to go in that direction or not, so I don't want to spoil anything, but them introducing that there's different versions of World, I think, would help them explain the big reveal if they decide to go in that direction. Does that make sense? (laughs) And it's like, by the way, I had someone like IRL get upset with me because I said, oh, I hope they don't go in that direction. Like, like actually salty about it. And I was like, dude, it's because I've gotten so attached to like everything. I, I, I really like the way things are going now. And I'm like, I get, yeah, there's a certain way the book goes, but... I was talking to Michael about it where I said before I wasn't really hip to it. Like when I first read the book and saw the reveal, I really disliked it. But I think the way the show is going that I wouldn't particularly mind it because I think now it would make sense. But either way, I'm good with it, if that makes sense. Um, If they can find a way to make the idea. I'm being warmed up by the idea with the different versions of world, what they're doing with tech boy, you know, I'm warmed up to it um, as opposed to before, but let's just get, you know, we're talking so much and I love it because we always do this with American gods. Like I think that those previous two podcasts that we did are some of my favorite just because we just love the show so much and we really geek out. I mean, I thought I was like, a pretty big Marvel geek, but I have to admit that I think American Gods, like, just takes the cake with my geekiness, Um, and I've never been, like, I've never been a book nerd like that, if that makes sense. Like, people love the Harry Potter books, right? And so they want to see, obviously, the movies reflect the books, or people who are, say, fans of Twilight. You know, you want to, you're, they're so enamored with the book, they want to see it done well in the show, and it's like, I never had a book where I was like, oh, well, you know, in the book, this is what happens. Like, in the book, this is what happens. So it's a very unique situation for me with American Gods. But, um, you know, before we get into our top ten, as I said before, I feel like I have to keep saying there are going to be spoilers. So if you haven't watched episodes one through five yet and you don't want to be spoiled, go watch those, then come back and listen. And, of course, you know I always have to give a shout-out to our good friends over at Stranger Damies. Stranger Damies is the Real Play D&D podcast um, that is part of the main Damie family of podcasts. We had one of their amazing members, Dan, on a couple of weeks ago. And you can, and we had Mark as well. We just haven't had Anthony yet. So we've had two-thirds of the Stranger Damies crew on the top ten. They're amazing guys. They do... Um, 
they're Stranger Damies, so they're, um, you know, Dungeons and Dragons podcast, which you can find at Stranger Damies, both on Twitter and Instagram. They're also a proud member of Geek Fives Nation. They're part of the main Damie family of podcasts, which also does a podcast called They Call This a Movie, which is probably one of my favorite podcasts. So make sure you just check them out. They are amazing people. They put a lot of dedication into their craft. And just from, like, knowing a very little about D&D, I know that you have to put a lot into D&D in order to, like, do a campaign. So they put a lot of effort into it. Make sure you check that out and just tell them that Tia and Brittany from the Top Ten sent you. But, Brittany, let's get into this. What is your number ten for our Top Ten American Gods Season 3 moments so far? I think I'm going to go ahead and start from Episode 1. Because I really love that whenever we see Shadow kind of come back and we see he's trying to live a normal life, right? And mm-hmm. he's working at one place, but they're going to end up doing a background check on him. And you can tell he's like, ugh. And as he's sitting there and as he's like, oh, you know, my life, you know, I'm having a really good time. But, you know, this that you can tell somebody stress him out. He sees a little old lady. <laughs> and he goes... I am a gentleman. I will help her. And she, like, is all, like, feeling up on him. And you're like, okay. And she's like, oh, you know, you're strong. You know, like, my husband, you know, he's dead. And you're like, okay. And (laughs) you see the old lady's group. No, can we talk, though, real quick? I thought she was actually going to end up being, like, like another goddess and was going to scare the shit out of me and was like going to plan on murderizing him. But no, you know who it is. It's mother effing Odin, Mr. Wednesday himself, who's just fucking with him. Which yeah. I love, by the way. I love, by the way, that whenever he's, like, realizing what's going on and he's, like, trying to pull out of her grip and she's just holding on so tight as she's, like, talking about, like, what was it, like, forgiveness or whatever? Because she could tell, like, because Odin knew that um, Shadow was so mad with him. And the way he, like, pulls back and she freaking flips him the bird. I can't mm-hmm. remember. Did she do the up ears motion or just flipped him off? Cause I'm pretty sure I remember a skinny old gloved finger going up. Yeah. She and, totally just, like, gave him the bird. <laughs> yeah. Which, which we see Shadow repay later on. But, like... And when she's gone, and he turns around and sees Wednesday just sitting there grinning, I was like, oh, no. The the demon himself has come back. And so, I don't know. I know it's such a small scene, but I love it because it really sets the stage of what we were about to witness, especially because, you know, we have seen this relationship between – I think what I like so much about it is season one – He's kind of weary of Wednesday, but he's more of a puppy, as Laura Moon would say. And then season two, we see him so wrapped around Wednesday's finger, you know, because he's really accepted what he's doing. So in season three, where he knows who his father is and knows exactly why he... I'm trying to think, dislikes him because, you know, the situation with his mother and to see them, like, kind of really at odds. Before Wednesday had him really wrapped around his finger, but I want to say that Sweeney's death really, uh, 
really changed that too because he saw how bad Sweeney wanted him dead. Yeah, I felt as it. So again, not to go put the book. Um, in the book, <laughs> Shadow <laughs> finds out. Shadow finds out that Wednesday's his father much later in the book, realistically towards the end. So I actually really love that they decided to make Shadow find this out before Lakeside because it does help with a transformation with Shadow. Finding out that Wednesday's his father, Sweeney's death, finding out that Wednesday is the person who had Laura killed, um, it really adds a different dynamic. You know, in season one, Shadow was kind of apprehensive at first of Wednesday saying, like, oh, if you piss me off, I'll walk away. But we never saw Shadow walk away. He was continuously just there as a, say, we really didn't know necessarily what he thought. I mean, yeah, he was a little freaked out, but he remained next to Wednesday the whole time. And as you said, in season two, he's very much wrapped around um, Wednesday's finger. But in this one... He's very much like, I don't trust you, old man. I'm tired of this. I want a normal life. Get away from me. And even when he, like, say, goes with Wednesday, he's still very, like, apprehensive. He's just kind of like, fine, I'll go to Lakeside because I it'll help me. But I'm not paying attention to you at all. <laughs> um, so I love the little little scene with the little old lady. It really kind of creeped me out. Um, they got, like, the perfect... What'd you say? It did. And all I sat there when I was sitting there watching it with Aaron, and we both looked at it, and I was like, what must it be like to get a little old lady gets, that gets this line about basically... Because she kind of, like, implies that she wants to, like, fuck Shadow, doesn't she? In a way, it's... Yeah, I, I think so. And it's very, um, very um, unnerving. <laughs> And we were talking about, like, oh, if I was an old lady actress, I would have the most fun because, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know, there's something about being able to be that goofy with it that's just, like, hilarious. 100%. I definitely agree. It's a small little scene, but kind of lets you know that no matter how much time has kind of passed, uh, Wednesday still has his eyes on Shadow. Um, and it's interesting that, by the way, that time has passed. Three months, I believe, has passed since the events of season two. Um, and it's interesting that that whole thing that happened, right, caused them to almost take a break from the war, take a break from each other, because season one bled into season two. But this we have this little bit of a time jump. Um, and it's kind of cool that, like, Shadow immediately just stepped into trying to live a normal life, trying yeah. to do some work and all that. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, like, I know there was so much drama with the season, so I really was, like, prepared to be disappointed. But honestly, this has been my favorite season so far, like, no joke. Yeah, I I agree with you. Um, to me, I feel as if it's only gotten better as the seasons go on. I still very much like season two. People harp on season two because it did have some directional problems and, you know, it had problems with the showrunner and all that. But I I like season two better than I like season one, even though I love season one. I like season two a lot. Um and I love season three so far. I love what it's doing. Um, 
you know, uh, yes, it, it has its drama, right? Obviously, what's the, uh, wh- how do they say it again? Like, what what's the elephant in the room, right? We know what happened with Orlando Jones, and that was a lot, and that sucked, honestly, because he was a fantastic character. Um, Brittany and I, our both previous American Gods podcasts have put scenes with Orlando Jones numerous times. I actually re-listened to our American Gods Season 2 podcast where we said, oh, can't wait for the Mr. Nancy scenes. You know, uh, obviously, like, that sucks. You mm-hmm. know, like the uh, the Arrested Development theme where it goes, dun, 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 dun. You know, like when somebody really fucks yeah. up, like something <laughs> ironic happens, that was us. Yeah, that was definitely us. So that happened. Then later on, this didn't happen beforehand. But this happened just a couple of weeks ago with a certain rock singer. Um, you know, I yeah. was like, God, American, God, American Gods can't catch a fucking break. But I will say that I think it was a really good idea for them to take his remaining scene out. Um, you know, I, I think it was a really good idea for them to announce that they were going to do that. I thought that showed a lot. Um, and as someone who, again, I got, like, press stuff, right? <laughs> so I, I know a few spoilers for upcoming episodes. And his remaining scene wasn't important. It gets explained between two other people. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. it wasn't that big of a deal. And I'm glad that they did it. You know that they were sitting there going, God, we cannot handle any more freaking controversy. Just cut his fucking scene. <laughs> uh, I, and at first I was like, why? Because it has religious undertones, more like overtones, but you got me. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, what is I just, you know what I think it is? Like, I, part of the reason I like this show so much is because it reminds me of Supernatural and why I love Supernatural. You have a setup between certain characters and they kind of take on their own life. You're on an adventure. You feel like you're kind of going in a linear path, but you can also have sub-stories, right? Side stories. But I feel like Supernatural could be very uh, dramatic on that front, too. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I love it. I love the whole show, and this is a great way to start off the podcast. Um, so number 10 is The Old Lady and Shadow. I'm going to hit number 9, and it's going to be, um, what should we call it? How am I going to word this? It's going to be um, Dominique Jackson's introduction as Miss World, pretty much. Ooh, that's a good one. Um. First of all, I loved it. Like, I love the whole setup with the new gods in this season, right? I love that they're in this, like, really corporate building and that we have the children again. Remember the children from season one, and they're back, you know, the faceless thumb people or whatever. Um, and that Miss World has kind of transformed them into, say, her little workers. Um, I saw something that under like the cast list they're cast as like different social media trends like one is like viral video or something like so they're all like say trends on social media and you see them all kind of like working through and everything whatever but you know Dominic Jackson it makes a lot of sense and Dominic Jackson just, say, commands, like, such an audience, right? Something that maybe we didn't see with Christopher 
Crispin Glover's Mr. World. I mean, obviously he demands an audience, very eerie character. You know that you don't want to fuck with him. Um, but I think that that was even like pushed home even more with Miss World, especially, first of all, especially in that scene where one of the, like the thumb people or whatever says something, how, you know, Miss World is overreacting because Miss World is like, why is Odin getting, you know, worship from this Norse, you know, death metal band? And they're all like, oh, it's no big deal. And that one guy is like, you know, you're really, you know, being overdramatic or something. And freaking Miss World literally beats his head in with a baseball bat. Um, I loved it. I just loved the aesthetic of it, and I loved Technical Boy just sitting there as blood was getting splattered on his freaking face. So, yeah, that's my number nine. Brittany, what do you think? <laughs> I-, I was going to say, that scene was so good. Like, I-, I think, like, for me, it-, it was one of those things where it really set the scene for what we're going to see, because all I could sit there, I was like, oh, no, like, it- I... I- you ever um what's that what do they say it's like uh color me uh scared and horny that's how i felt about (laughs) miss world i was like oh no like i knew like when she showed up because mr world always terrifies me right like he's just a scary dude he's creepy but i think why she's so scary is like she's not creepy She's just so dangerous, you don't know what she's about to do. Like, if I was a character in there, I'd be like, it's just either going to go one of two ways. Either I'm going to do exactly what she says, or my head's going to get caved in. There is no in-between. No in-betweens. No in-between whatsoever. Um, I loved it. I loved the whole aesthetic with her um i love the personality that dominique jackson brings to miss world like this isn't really a scene but do you know the scene where um they're looking for that tech guy who goes you know missing i mean we know what happens to him but they don't know what happens to him and and bill quist gets caught and Miss World sees Billquist on like a screen, and she's like, oh, "This bitch." <laughs> she's like, "Of course, this I bitch." <laughs> so hard when I saw that because it was just like the epitome of someone just fucking done. Where they're like, "Can you fucking not for five fucking seconds?" That was exactly what that was, and that's why I love that little scene, like, of this bitch so much. I mean, don't get me wrong, I love Crispin Glover as Mr. World interacting with Yeteti Badaki as Bilquis, because, you know, they had that amazing interaction in season two. But I would have loved to see Miss World interact with Bill Quist. That would have been amazing. It's <laughs> funny because you're sitting there, and I think what it is is, like, the whole series has been them trying to get her on them, their side and her doing whatever the fuck she wants with, like, no consequences. And so he's, she was probably like, God, I like... How how many times you gonna fuck me over, lady? Yeah, that's exactly what it is. I thought it was interesting that 
their focus was still trying to get Bilquis on their side because that's that scene between Miss World and Tech where Technical Boy's like, you know, are we good? And I first of all, I love the quick explanation, right? Because at the end of season two, we see Quantum Boy and we're like, all right, this is cool, but, you know, what we really love about Technical Boy is his, you know, personality. This guy doesn't really seem like he has a lot of personality. So are we going to see more of Quantum Boy in Season 3? And they were like, no. And I loved Mist World, like, you fucked up your own upgrade, um, and you still haven't gotten Bilquis on our side. And it was interesting that it's like even after that conversation between Mr. World and Bilquis in Season 2 – that they still want Bilquis on their side. And it's like, why? Why is Bilquis so important to what you're doing, especially when you figure out what they're doing is, what are they calling the, the church of the mind, where they're essentially mm-hmm. looking to like, control everyone? Why does Bilquis fit into that? And it's before I go back to you, I think it is like with the Matt Sweeney thing, right? How Odin didn't want, Matt Sweeney to go to, you know, the backstage because he didn't want Sweeney to realize that he's this powerful god. It's that Bilquis has forgotten who she really is, and it's like they know how powerful she can actually be, whereas, like, even she doesn't know how powerful she can be. You know, um, oh, there was a point I was going to make on that with, uh, with Bilquis. By the way, can we talk really quick about how like, you would think, like, the gods would be able to fuck with the humans so bad, but, like, did you not notice it's, like, Mr. World was like, oh, I basically, I can't do anything for you like this? Um, like, when he speaks to, to Bilquis, like, yeah, I can't help? Like, yeah, yeah like, I, I thought the same thing when, say, Wednesday is trying to get Demeter out of, say, the old people or, you know, the old people's home where it's like, she's a god, can't she just, like, leave, you know? Um, and I think that gives into remember what Quantum Boy said in season two, like, you know, you're not made in our image, we're made in yours. Um, so it's that, and then also, depending on how much worship you have is how strong you are, and if these old gods don't have as much strength then they don't have say the power but yeah i mean mr world would realistically have a shit ton of power but i just guess that it's the same thing like miss world's because technical boy was like why can't we just do this you know why do we need these people and miss world is like we need them to think that this is their idea i guess like that's that's just how worship goes that is kind of interesting, though. Like, I know that's kind of like a sub-point. I was just sitting there and thinking of that situation. I was like, why? You know, because he ends up, like, being like, yeah, I can help you if you, you know, turn a new leaf. But it was interesting that even getting there was probably a chore. Yeah. I mean, that is something that sometimes that maybe doesn't necessarily make a whole lot of sense with American gods. You know me. I just kind of, like, smile and shrug it off anyway. But I, yeah. (laughs) But it is interesting. But, yeah, so my number nine is um, Miss World's introduction. Uh, Brittany, what's your number eight? Let me look here. I think, um, 
I try to think about like where I want to put it at, but I'm gonna go with uh, I don't. Uh, I'm trying to think of the best way. I'm gonna call it Demeter's introduction. Okay. Because first off, so we have where we're sitting there, and we really haven't seen any Greek gods, have we? Like, I'm trying yeah. to think of any other Greek gods we've seen. Well, and I, we saw, I'm sorry to interrupt really quick, in um, season two, wasn't the whole thing with Argus that it was, like, Greek uh, mythology? But it, really, yeah. but it really wasn't told very well that you, you know, would get the whole Greek mythology from it. I ain't counting the tentacle fucker. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> so uncomfortable. I was like, I don't know what's going on, but I don't. Like it. <laughs> I say that what I loved about it is so. First off, Tia knows that my favorite Greek mythology story is the story of Persephone and Hades, and the reason of like, oh, the seasons are because Demeter. Uh, you know, six months out of the year, she mourns not having Persephone, and six months out of the year, you know, she's so happy to have Persephone back. And so whenever he goes there, and he goes with the flowers, and he's not realizing it's like an asylum, right? Like, for, for elderly people that maybe got a little senile, you know, and seeing her in full practice, and her walking up, and you think, like, oh, shit, like, you know, he really is putting on the moves that we don't know how manipulative, how he's going to be in the situation. And him looking at her, and you're like, oh, my God, he's actually, like, you know, into her. Because I don't know if they explain there or afterwards that, you know, Demeter is his wife. And you're thinking, okay, you know, he's just a scumbag. You know, why did he leave her? And they just look at each other, and then she slaps the ever-loving shit out of him. And I just could not stop laughing, because I felt like he deserved it so bad. All the shit he's done throughout the series, and then she just slaps the shit out of him. I was like, oh, that's been a long time coming, to be fair. <laughs> I don't know. I it really has. really got to see Demeter, and like... The way she's, like, this ethereal beauty, because at the beginning, we got to see, like, you know, when she was younger, and, you know, like, she was just gorgeous, and her, like, bringing in the crops for these people, and, you know, and the girl was, like, dying from, like, laboring, and you're just sitting there, and you're like, oh, she really pulled through, and to see her older, and just not taking Odin shit was so good. Um, when... When they first cast uh, Bly Danner as Demeter, right, I said that to Brittany. Because the whole thing is, um, again, not to keep going to the book. I'm so sorry. But, um, you know, in season one, we were introduced to Astara, right, Easter. Um, And the thing is, is that in the book, Easter actually has a pretty pivotal, like, responsibility towards the end of the book right when it comes to shadow but the actress um decided to leave after season one once the original showrunners brian fuller and michael green left right i guess out of loyalty to them because maybe she's worked with them before you know whatever so it's like all right what are you going to do when it comes time for like easter to help well instead of recasting 
there's a million other gods in different mythologies that do the same exact fucking thing. Gets get Demeter, a Greek god of the harvest. So when I said that first to Brittany, she was like, Tia, do you know who Demeter is? And I was like, no, <laughs> I don't know. And that's when she... And that's when she explained how she was Persephone's mother, and it's just so wonderful. And, yeah, I love the introduction. I loved Wednesday, utterly smitten with Demeter. Um, even Cordelia was just like, shit, like, uh, all right. <laughs> you what know? I think gets me is, mm. like, in this kind of, you know, this was what's happening on later but what really gets me about Wednesday and her is that I'm trying to think of the word for it. The whole time you're sitting there and going, yeah, he's just fucking her over for her money. He doesn't care. You know, why would he care? He's always been manipulative, you know, and even like shadow seeing that. And I was thinking, oh, this is just another play by Wednesday. But when they have that moment, which I, I don't know if that's on my list. I'll have to check again, so I won't go fully in-depth with it. But, like, the way whenever there's an interaction between them and the way he looks at her and the pain in his eyes, I'm like, oh, fuck. He actually does care. Like, this isn't just a play from him. And I just, like, I don't know, it kind of, like, knocked the wind out of me. I know that's kind of silly, but, like, it really, like, caught me off guard for him. No, I completely agree. And um, not to talk too much about it because the episode literally came out today and it's not part of this list. But in episode six, um, it goes into their full history and why there's so much pain between them. And it really takes you off guard because this is Wednesday the swindler and the thing is is that everyone keeps trying to accuse him of say just wanting Demeter for her money um you know the character Tear that gets introduced the dentist um even he in say like episode six is saying you know you're just there for the money or something like that and it's like no no you can tell that it has nothing to do with the money um it has even, nothing to do with the money. Even tries to say it. He even is finally like, oh, you know, I made money. You know, like, very, like, plays into what people think about him for that situation. Well, and I think the thing is, is that Wednesday, um, again, based on what we now know between him and Demeter, has put up, like, such a front to deal with the pain that they had to deal with. You, Brittany, you have to watch episode six today after we get off. Like, it's so it's full of Demeter and Wednesday. Um, but yeah, I I love hard. I love Demeter's introduction. Um, Bly Danner again is just she herself is just this like ethereal being, right? And so to her playing this character was so wonderful. Um, I'm sure it's on your list, but that scene where she meets Shadow and she explains her relationship with Wednesday to Shadow was just heartbreaking. Um, and I loved her slapping Wednesday. That was great. <laughs> Wednesday needed it so badly. It was like, oh, she's doing exactly what we all want to do. <laughs> I just, I think it's just her just 100% done with this bullshit was so amusing to me. Yeah, you're so used to him, like, like 
the reason Chernobyl like just likes them so much because it's slippery, you know, so you're just like, fuck. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But I love it. Um, so yeah, no, great. Uh, number eight. I'm looking at my list because I'm like, shit. I have a lot. I kind of like. I have so many like in my mind, right? Good scenes, but I I want to go to a small scene again because I do love it. I have to tell you one thing, right? When I was reading the book and when people, all right, everyone loves Lakeside, right? Like people who are fans, people who are fans of the book love Lakeside. Even Neil Gaiman, the writer has said that his favorite part of the book is Lakeside. Ricky Whittle has talked about Lakeside. When I was reading the book, I didn't really like have that big of a connection to Lakeside. I don't know why. I just didn't feel it. Right. But I feel it in the show. I love Lakeside, and my pick is, uh, my number seven pick is Hinselman, um, who they actually gender-bent gender for the show, which I, I really like that um, idea, that decision. Um, my number seven is Hinselman introducing Shadow to Lakeside. Um, I love it. Like, I just love that you have this town that is really old and has such a rich history and people really love the history of Lakeside. And Hinselman is this, you know, nice little old lady who's kind of the, you know, uh, unofficial mayor of the town, even though she just runs a tchotchke shop and her you know i just love how she talks to shadow like she sees shadow walking along the road and she's like god damn shadow i told you to get a you know in that very like minnesota wisconsin accent you know i told you to get a a jacket you're gonna freeze to death and her just like bringing him around to get him like a good jacket explaining the freaking town to him and its history and then uh chad taking shadow to go get some pasties over at Mabel's. Like, I love it. I love it, and it's it's a very nice little introduction to this town that seems so sweet and so good. And then, of course, we know what happens later with the disappearance of the young girl, the panty thief. You know, this town is, say, not as whimsical as you may think. I'm still wondering, like, like, I was sitting there going, oh, the panty thief, but they seem to actually be worried about it right now. And to me, I wasn't super worried about that, but they keep bringing it up. So I have to assume there's going to be some kind of deeper meaning to that. I think, well, first of all, it does get a question in episode six. (laughs) Um, I think the thing is because they have such a, like, nice little town, they're kind of like there's a pervert running around breaking into our houses and stealing our lingerie while we're not home or maybe while we're home and that's frightening and nothing's being done about it that makes sense poor chad he's just trying his best to you chad's just trying his best he's just trying his best but i mean what do you think about lakeside Brittany? you yourself coming from a small town I don't know, I really like it, because I wish, like, our town was just that intimate, where it is very, like, cute, like, yeah, everybody knows everybody, but I like, I don't know, the feel of it's so pure, if that makes sense, even though we know, like, later on, it's like, that may not always be 
the case, you know, with everything going on right now. But I I personally love it. I think it's the cutest thing. Uh, There's other things that happen. I'm just like, oh, man, you know, that really sucks. But never once am I really stressed out while watching, and I appreciate that because we all know I am a stressed, stressed little bitch, and I don't like being stressed out, Tia. <laughs> I love the whole thing about Lakeside. Like, any scene in Lakeside, I love, right? I love Marguerite, her interactions with Shadow, um, I love Hinselman. I love Chad. I mean, his like bromance with Shadow is so pure. Like when they thought for a hot second that Shadow could have something to do with the disappearance of Allison, I was like, no, you know, no. And as Brittany had texted me, she was like, I'm glad they didn't spend too long on that. And they quickly say exonerated Shadow. But it made for, like, the funniest, like, awkward scene between Chad and Shadow where Chad's, like, trying to apologize about the optics of, you know, him questioning someone like Shadow and him just being so awkward about it. I don't know. I love the lakeside scenes. Um, anytime we're back in lakeside, I'm like, oh, this is great. <laughs> yeah, I like it too because I think, like, you know, I didn't, whenever you initially said it, I was like, what am I going to like about it? Like, not in a bad way, but you're like, okay, what what is it that's so interesting? But I think it's like, it's definitely also a good break from the fast pace of everything going on in the, like in the season. It just gives you a chance to relax and kind of catch your breath. Yeah, no, exactly, 100%. So I just love everything Lakeside. I love Hinselman and all that. Um, I can't wait to see what happens more because it feels as if Lakeside is at a boiling point with the whole disappearance of Allison and the panty thief. I think that we're slowly seeing this nice quaint little town not being able to say deal with the fact that they have these crimes going on and Chad not being able to deal with the fact that these crimes are going on and we're going to see um, it not be this dainty little town that we have now come to know. But, yeah, you so that's my number seven. Oh, sorry, go ahead. You know what vibes it gives me? Mm. Stranger Things. Yes. Yes. You have, uh, you have the strange happenings. You have people going, nothing ever happens in this town. And nobody really believing when certain things are going away and, like, um, like a disappearance that is really shocking the town. What does that, that is, sound like? No, you know what? That's so true because in Stranger Things, right, their whole – like, I think Hop even says, like, do you know that there hasn't been, like, a murder in this town in the past, like, 30 years or something or 50 years, right? They talk about how, like, nothing happens in – um Oh, God. Hawkins. They're like, nothing happens in Hawkins ever. Even to the fact, I don't know if how much of Stranger Things you watched, but in season two, they literally have a guy going to the sheriff's department to complain that, like, his pumpkins are smashed. Like, I'm sorry, that's just something that doesn't get reported in New York, you know? But that's how small of a town this is, that something like that gets reported so then you have in lakeside where it's a um you know a panty thief 
is the biggest thing for them up until obviously a girl going missing. Um, I think Chad in episode six says something along the lines that like Lakeside has 97% less crime than like any other municipality in the state of Wisconsin. So it's like they are very much not, yeah, it's like they're very much not used to anything happening. Like it's surprising they even have police because it's like, what do you even need police for? That's probably why Chad works job in the world. Uh, that's probably why Chad even works as like a taxi cab driver sometimes with them. You know, he's not a real taxi cab driver, obviously. Like, but you know, that's how little the police are doing that they have the time to just, you know, take people to and from their house. That's crazy. Um, it's like I'm bored. I need something to do. Yeah, so I guess just as you said, Brittany, it's a it's a very cushy job. There's no crime. What do you do? You just sit there. Hopper <laughs> was. He's like he had it made. He came into work whenever he felt like it. <laughs> well, oh God, I love Hopper. Coffee and contemplation. The mornings are for coffee and contemplation. <laughs> I love it. And he's like, and he repeats it just a little bit. Coffee, and, coffee and contemplation. Like <laughs> <laughs> like, mom, get mom, and you're like, and just repeating it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So yeah, that's my number seven, Brittany. What's your number six? Let me see here. Um, let's see. Okay, since this is this is my number three, correct? Yes. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna do it with Laura Moon coming back. Yeah. And my reason why is because she's sitting there. She's sitting there, and she's like in purgatory, right? And we're sitting there, like. Like, Sweeney's body has been found. And you're like, that's, you know, his body was in rough shape. But by the way, why did nobody else, like, like, give a shit that he was dead? Like, I guess because you could, it, I guess they thought maybe he was just a homeless man that died, which is pretty fucked up. <laughs> but I don't know why nobody actually gave a fuck, for one. But watching her in purgatory, and I love the janitor dude. The dude that's just, like, chill it out and, like, she sees him and she's like, dude, you know, I need help. And he's like, oh, I, I'm getting coffee because nobody makes good coffee back there, right? And they're talking. And I sat there and as the dude was like cleaning up where Sweeney's body was, I sat there and I went, well, didn't she need the blood to be able to live? And she doubted his love for her. Like, the whole time, she doubted that Sweeney actually loved her. She thought, like, oh, he was just using her. She couldn't accept that, you know, somebody truly did love and care about her. For Keep in mind, for what she truly was, because she was a fucking dick to him. Like, yeah. he really loved her for what she was. And I thought that was so, you know, rare in that circumstance. And as the dude's cleaning, I was like, he's going to step on that bottle. He's going to step on the bottle. There's no way he's not going to step on this bottle. And when he did, and the blood mingled with it, Tia, like, right before he was about to wash everything away. Cause the whole time I wondered, I was like, how are they going to bring her back, you know, 
how are they going to make this happen? And it was just so pure, Tia, like, actually knowing, actually knowing that, like, that was all the ultimate vindication we needed for that scene. And her instantly being sucked back and just sitting there naked. And the poor dude that was, like, cleaning up is just, like, shell-shocked. And and whenever she's talking about, like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm responsible for why he's dead. And the dude, like, kind of backs up. And she's like, oh, I can't kill him. And he's just still, like, staring at her, like, so suspicious. I was like, this is the best thing ever. But, dude, I wanted to cry so much. Because can we also talk about the music that plays every time? Every fucking time. Which, by the way, the girl that plays Laura Moon sings that, and I was so shell-shocked. I was like, oh my god, she can sing too? Is there nothing this woman can't do? But I don't know. Um, I, I know it's such a small scene, and I am kind of pointing out the smaller scenes, but it's because it's such an attention to detail and finding those moments worthy enough for a character that was only supposed to be there five seconds and just have a quick death to actually see him like... I don't know, have that send-off. It No, I mean, I feel like we've been building towards this, right? First of all, um, ever, like, you know, we have Laura and Sweeney who had their little road trip in season one, right? Where, I mean, I was already shipping them. And you could already tell that there was some guilt with Sweeney, you know, because if you remember in season one, right, what did Sweeney tell Laura every step of the way? As soon as I have the opportunity to get my coin back, I'm going to take it. I will pluck it from you. And yeah. there's a scene and there's a scene in season 1 where their freaking truck flips over and her chest opens up and the freaking coin bounces out. He could have easily just like picked it up and kept going, but he puts it back into her cuz it's like, "Oh shit." And he even says I think at some point to Easter like, "I don't want her dead." And then we see in season two, like, how much he's just, like, going on this little road trip with her, trying to get her back alive, bringing her to the Baron, you know? Um, And the thing is, is that Laura was so, like, kind of not even paying attention to him, really, a lot of the times, um, until, say, like, season three, she literally, like, opens her own chest up to get the coin out, to give it to him, which, like, I will admit... I was so frustrated with that because I was like, why did you put it in his dead hand? Why didn't you, like, put it in his mouth or something, you know? <laughs> why, Laura? <laughs> um, but I – sorry. watching that scene, we were like, could you have not done that in any, like, better way? Like, even just a little bit? Like, could you like, not? Like, I get that the coin was keeping her alive, so taking it out, like, you know, like, she was – than dying at that point, but, like, you, you could have put, oh, my God, you could have put it on his fucking mouth, all right? I'm just saying. Yeah, but, but. but I, well, I put it on his chest. Yes, something, Laura. Um, <laughs> but I guess she really thought that, like, it would be fine. Maybe it would just be, like, instant. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, like, everything leading up to that was just showing how much they actually cared for each other. I mean, they did a fucking montage a montage you don't do a montage just for friends okay like that montage was romantic as fuck. yeah okay Maybe in that little in that little fucking montage and first of all 
I love her being ripped out of purgatory because it reminded me of season one where she's speaking with Anubis and she just gets ripped back out. It's like she's constantly just getting like ripped from death pretty much. And her, as you said, like also that whole moment, I had such anxiety when they took Sweeney's body away. First of all, it's like, oh my God, he's going for cremation. So fuck. Um, and then you have where frickin' you don't know, like, what's going to happen with the vial. And finally, when he steps on it, it's like it, you were just waiting for that vial to just, like, touch the blood. And when Laura, like, sits there and actually realizes, like, it worked because of Sweeney, I was like, I'm dead. <laughs> I'm dead. I can't. I can't. This, this, gave, this finally gave us the fucking vindication like, do I want Sweeney back alive? Of course. But this is almost, like, as good as that because I'm like, at least the show acknowledges this shit. You know, it's not just in my little, like, shipping mind. The, the show acknowledges this. At least you know with every beat of your heart that someone... <sighs> <I'm> like, <laughs> when, Salim said, when Salim says that to Laura, I'm like, I'm, no, stop. <laughs> I love that, by the way. I don't know if it's on your list. I don't know if it's going to make it on mine, but I love Salim and Laura speaking about it because, first of all, like, their, like, friendship has always just been so amazing. And this season, it's just – I feel like with this season, everything so much more is on the table, right? Yeah. They're not all – having their head in the clouds like Salim is going through some like real depression and going through some real emotional problems and him speaking to Laura and it's like his faith is shook and everything um I by the way I got into like a discourse about that with someone on Twitter I was like I feel really bad for Salim, right? And someone's like, oh, why? Jin, Jin will be back next season and they'll rekindle. And I was like, no. I was like, I don't, like, yeah, I care about that, obviously. But I was like, he lost his faith, you know? That, yeah. That's a hard thing. And the guy, like, was, like, such a Islamophobic freaking statement. Goes, oh, why? Because he can't get 72 virgins. And I was like, no. Like, I shouldn't have even responded because at that point the guy's just being an asshole. But I was like, think about with any religion, like, you literally losing your faith, especially for someone like Salim, who is so devoted, um, and literally not stopping to pray or saying that he doesn't even know who to pray to, to pray for what. And I was like, I recognized how, like, traumatic it was being on him. Yeah, exactly. She, you know, because she was not anyone. Well, that was the thing, like, Laura's always, like, not believed in anything, but even in season one, when Sweeney was, you know, pissed off that they had to stop a million times, Laura was like, shut the fuck up, just let him pray, you know, Mm -hmm. like, being, so, I mean, that was incredibly sad, but yeah, like, Salim, you know, just realize, like, not knowing about the djinn loving him or anything like that, and then telling Laura, like, yeah, you're, you know, in this situation, but you at least know that, like, Sweeney loved you. And I'm so happy that they got, like, got away from Laura trying to rekindle shit with Shadow because I'm like, it ain't about that anymore, right? Like, it's about them. It's about Sweeney and Laura. 
I know. I just, I just love them, and I just want him back. She, I want him to come back, and I want everything to be fun. It's like part of me, like when they handed Laura the cremated box, I was just like, no, his body's not even around anymore. But then I was like, but they're gods, like they could find some other way, yeah. you know. So I. Faith is on the line. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that was so. Uh, I want Sweeney back so badly. <laughs> it's only so much heart, hurt my heart can take, Tia. I, I was like, oh, come on. <sighs> I think I told. I think I told you on the phone the other day that. Um, Ricky Whittle does this thing on Instagram every Monday called Moon Monday where he goes on Instagram live and he talks to other actors that are in American Gods. And he's had um, – sorry, he's had the actor who's played Chad before. He had one of the Orishas on. Um, and then last week he – oh, and this week, by the way, he's going to have Danny Trejo on, which is pretty cool. I can't wait to watch that. Yeah. But – Last week, he had Bruce Langley on, uh, who plays Technical Boy. And I guess as they were doing their Moon Monday, uh, Musha Kresh, the guy who plays the Jin, was, like, messaging Ricky, like, you know, just funny stuff. And they were talking about how much they love Musa. And Ricky's like, oh, I can't wait to get him back. He was like, I just, I can't wait for him to come back. He's like, you know, that's the great thing about American Gods. The Jin can come back. Matt Sweeney can come back. And I'm like... What do you know, Ricky Whittle, that I don't know? <laughs> Tell me your secret. <laughs> like, is that you just speaking generally, or do you know something? Because I feel, and I'm just going to say this really quick, right? It hasn't been officially renewed for a fourth season, but I read an article, like, months back that said American Gods was secretly um, renewed for a fourth season. And during Moon Monday, they take questions from, like, the chat, and someone said, like, hey, how how long do you think that American Gods can last for? And Ricky's like, oh, four seasons. Like, didn't even, like, kind of hesitate. And I'm like, do you guys know something? Like, is there a fourth season that's Share happening? With and you wanna know? Share with the class. And by the way, let me tell you, I'd be fine with four seasons. As long as they know that that's all that they have so that they can wrap up the story. Because right now they're in Lakeside, which is the climax of the book, you know? Yeah. And so if they do everything that they need to do in season three and they use season four to, like, do the aftermath that's spoken about in the book, then that's fine. I'm solid with four seasons. I just don't want it to end up this season. But, yeah. Um, so great number six, Brittany. I'm going to hit number five. I'm trying to look at my shit because I'm like, oh, I only have three left. I have so many things and I'm like, but I have to prioritize. Do you ever so. sit there as you're doing it and you're like, fuck, I know I'm going to remember something else and I'm going to go, why the hell did I pick this out of everything? I do that all the time. I do that all the time where I'm like, Jesus Christ, Tia, what the fuck? (laughs) I have a feeling that, like, every single one of my next ones are going to be 
technical boy related, so YOLO, Do I it. guess. I'm here for it. <laughs> um, and my number five is going to be uh, 1893 version of Technical Boy. <laughs> He's so cute, yeah. So, whatchamacallit, it? Like, I was totally surprised in season two, right, when we got 1930s version of Technical Boy, Telephone Boy, right? Um, especially after, you know, I don't know if you remember in season two, this was after Technical Boy was quote-unquote retired. So I'm like, oh, my God, are we not going to see him again? And then you see 1930s Telephone Boy, which was such a fantastic episode, great scenery. But, you know, Telephone Boy, while, say, not as bitchy as Technical Boy, was still kind of very um, arrogant. You know, he tells Al, like, oh, your bubbly's flat, your girls are cheap, you know, shit like that. Yeah, um, he's kind of a <laughs> <laughs> so when episode five um, opens up, right, and they're talking about the first World's Fair, which, by the way, American Gods is so cool in talking about, like, Americana shit that, like, maybe you didn't know about. And I feel like in season three, especially, everything means something. It always comes back. But so, yeah, so they're talking about the first uh, World's Fair and freaking, you know, I had a feeling, right, because they kept talking about, like, Mr. Ibis in the background was saying, like, oh, they introduced new technologies. And I was like, are we about to see, like, a version of Technical Boy? And when they first showed, I was like, oh, my God, this is so cool, these origins right now, right? You have, like, the automaton, which I will admit was a little creepy looking. What did you call it, Brittany? Yeah. I will admit, a little creepy. I was like, oh, a little creeped out. But um, there's so much in this that I want to talk about, and I probably am going to dive a little too deep into this, so please don't mind. Um, but what you call it, like this version of Tackle Boy being so meek and timid and showing off his automaton and people say not being that impressed because it can only say do one thing and him trying to convince everyone to stay and they don't. And there's several things that he says, right? He tells Maximilian, you know, this magician, he says that, um, you know, he would have been in, say, a school, but he lost his application. Um, and that he says things like, you know, he's spent so long on this and all that. And then there's that one part where Maximilian goes, can I buy you a drink? And he says, no, and te- uh, Technical Boy goes, no, I'm a son of temperance. And I looked that up because I was like, what the fuck is that? And they were a brotherhood of guys who, like, were were really against consuming alcohol. So much so that it was part of their thing to go and tell people about how bad alcohol was. And it was more so a brotherhood in the sense that, like, it, you know, had a lot of benefits to it and all that, blah, 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 blah. So I'm like, that's interesting. Why make this character that? Is that why Technical Boy vapes? You know, like, what? why? Yeah, like, why does that have any sort of, like, value to put that in there? But the one last thing I'll say is I want to, like, Maximilian could have caught these hands, like, for her. Because <laughs> at first, you know, you think, like, at first you think he's helping uh, technical boy because he's saying you know hey you gotta dream bigger you gotta fake it till you make it and at first you're like oh this is really cool and then he smashes 
the freaking thing to show everyone that it's not the automaton that's playing chess with this woman. It's technical boy, you know, uh, manipulating everything. And, oh, if you want, you know, something real, come to my tent. And, you know, there's technical boy just crying in his automaton. Maximilian is just like, you know, grinning at him. And by the way, again, I won't say this over the podcast because I don't want to spoil anything, but I have a freaking um, theory as to who the hell Maximilian is. But, um, yeah, so that's my thing, that whole little opening with the automaton and 1893. I love it. I was like, my poor baby technical boy is crying. I can't deal with this. Um, so, yeah, Brittany, <laughs> what are your thoughts? My thoughts are like, this is what I want to know, is we have technical boy and we see that, you know, he talks about school. Do you think that these gods are originally people before they turn into gods? I have that feeling. That's what my feeling with this is. Because he talks about temperance. He talks about this. He talks about, like, and then we have people saying they forget who they were. You have Sweeney, who was, you know, a god, but a god king, right? And it's like, why would they add that they had actual lives? They had wives. They had this. I just feel like they originally come from someone or something where they, I don't feel like they just poof into an existence, even though, you know, they said that's how it was with aliens, but you know what I mean? Yeah. There's something so much more to it. Part of me doesn't know if it's, say, all gods or maybe just the new gods, um, since their whole thing is that they're just, like, the personification of, say, these new things, whereas, like, you know, because the new gods are more so ideologies, right, whereas the old gods are actual, like, beings, so, like, they're with the old gods, you're actually worshipping, say, an individual, where with the new gods, you're worshipping, like, concepts. Um, so I'm not sure if it's, like, say, all gods, or maybe it's just, like, the new gods. Because, again, who I think Maximilian is, is why I have this theory that Technical Boy was originally a human and plucked due to, say, his vulnerability and made this way. I don't know. I don't know. Um, it's very interesting because to me, um, that didn't feel like a god because there was no wor- worship like at that a point. Child. It felt yeah, like a child with a big hopes and dreams. By the way, um, not to get—I uh, won't get into the full story here. But you remember why I hate uh, "Welcome to the Real World, Kid." That phrase. I felt like Technical Boy just had that moment, but with him. <laughs> He definitely I, had that moment. <laughs> I, felt I felt attacked. I felt seen. I felt I I felt attacked. Oh my god! I was like, "You bastard, Maximilian! You deserve to be fucking punched in the face!" Like, how dare you? How dare you? Um, Not I was technical boy. Our technical boy. I love that technical boy has gone. Like in season one, I couldn't stand him. I was like this little bratty bitch. And <laughs> then, as, and then as time went on, I'm like, I love him, baby. <laughs> 
I know there's something about him that makes you want to baby him, where you're like, oh, he's just a child. I like his style a lot more in this season. In the other seasons, I was like, I hate his outfits, I hate his hair, I hate his face, I hate it, I, I hate his existence, and now I'm like, oh, he's the best. He's the best. No, I know. They're definitely, like, just something wonderful happened with Technical Boy in season three. But um, I just look. My thing is that, um, as I was saying, that I feel that with season three, everything happens for a reason. And I feel like them showing us that, like, scene wasn't there for nothing, right? Um, There's a reason why we needed to see this beginning of Technical Boy and see him being very vulnerable and, you know, the start of everything. I just feel like that was there for a reason. Um, you feel so, like there's yeah. a lack of confidence. Now looking back, a lack of confidence in Telephone Boy when he's facing off against Odin where you're realizing, like, there's almost something still childlike about him at that moment. Yeah, no, 100%. And I think that, um, what you would call it, like, um, I don't know what I was about to say here, but I don't know. Like, Techno Boy is such an interesting character that just continuously surprises me, um, and I can't wait to see more with him. But, um, yeah, so that's my number five. Brittany, what's your number four? Right, let me see here. I'm trying not to take anything off of yours because I, I have a lot of thoughts but not a lot of brain. Um, <laughs> let me see. Uh, you ever have, like, where your phone likes to mess up and you're like, geez, thanks. Um, uh, I'm going to go with... Uh, I'm trying to think. I'm going to go with Odin getting himself put in the institution. Yes. (laughs) I remember messaging you and going, is this all an act? Because I was panicking at first. I was like, there's no way. There's no way after everything that's gone on in this series that suddenly now this asshole is having, like, a breakdown. And I was like, and as I sat there and watched, I was like, that fucker is going to get put in the same institution as her, isn't she? And I sat there and I watched and watched and saw it happen. I was like, motherfucker, he's clever. But I love it because, uh, you know, we start out with, you know, Johan, you know, played by, you know, who, Johan, like, but by, by the way, did he want him to explode the whole place? See, that's the thing I don't know. I am a little lost on that front. It's like, was that purposeful or was that something that Johan just did because he's a berserker and he has some, clearly some anger issues, Um, you know, or like, what was the point of that? But then it's like, we see Wednesday obviously have this whole plan to act loony so that he gets sent to the place. So it's like, was that whole explosion part of that plan? I know. There's so much that, like, I, I still want to know. But I thought it was so clever. As he was sitting there and he was wandering out, I was like, what the fuck is he doing? And as, by the way, how did he rip his pants off so easy? Can we talk about that? <laughs> you don't see that? He like, out. He had, like, stripper pants on, Tia. He had, like, full-away pants. 
And as he, like, stripping, and when he freaking shakes his junk at the people driving by, I was like, oh, my God, no, he didn't. No, he didn't. <laughs> and, like, and what's her name? Is it Cordelia? Yeah. As she, like, you could see, she actually really does care about him. Yeah. And I think it's almost tragic because I feel like he's going to break her heart. I feel like yeah. he's going to spit her out. Um, what was I going to say? Yeah, no, I mean, you could tell, like, Cordelia really cares for Wednesday. Because um, even when she's on the phone with Shadow trying to convey, like, hey, your father isn't doing well and Shadow is you know, really just not caring in that moment because he knows Wednesday, but Cordelia doesn't. So she's just kind of like, you know, I- I'm going to be here for you Wednesday. Like, I'll I'll stay with you. And it's um, it's going to be interesting when Cordelia finds out about everything. Because does she know what he is? She doesn't know what he is right now. Um, And I actually had the – I actually had the opportunity to speak with Ashley Reyes – um, who plays Cordelia before before the season came out, and she explains that Cordelia doesn't know. Um, it's the same thing, like, remember in season one, Shadow didn't know who he was until, like, the very end or something, you know, or didn't even realize that he was a god until, like, later. And you're like, how do you not know? And I feel like it's the same thing here. It, maybe Wednesday has something where it's like, if you're around him, he doesn't want you to know. It's like you become kind of like naive to all like, of the signs because he's not very um, he's not very good at hiding it to us at least. But apparently to everyone else around him, he's fantastic at it. <laughs> right. There. Uh, I like by the way that the freaking bar place just liked him because like. Oh, he's a legend because he took a motorcycle up in the ice. And I was like, really? You're going to go break into a dude's house because of that reason? Like, that, that couldn't have been planned by like by Odin because if he had, he needed those guys to pull off that heist for him. Remember? Like, he needed them to go get that uh, that suitcase. So I don't don't think that that was planned by Odin. I think that he took advantage of the situation, you know, seeing, like, it happen, and he was just like, oh, I'm just going to, like, now pretend to be fucking crazy because this actually works out for me. He's not a dumb guy. He's very smart. I love when Demeter, like, I know this kind of, like, got us a point where she, he's like, oh, you know, I'm taking a step away, and, and she goes, and he's like, you know, this, it grows weary on my heart, and she's like, dude, that basically invigorates you, that's kind of your thing, <laughs> it's not something you really just take a step away from. Um, yeah, no, I know, um, what you calls it. Demeter, like, totally is exposing Wednesday in this whole thing, right? Like, she knows him so well that she's just like, you can't bullshit me. Stop it. (laughs) Yeah. I just think she's so just, she's just, like, a beautiful, ethereal woman. 
she's so wonderful um i'm telling you i love her and yeah so this is a great scene with wednesday just acting very loony to try to get into the institution i couldn't believe that he was starting to get naked and i will say that i i was was, um a little fooled as well i kind of thought that something was wrong with wednesday and I was like, oh, wow, are they going in this direction? And then I was like, oh, no, he's just, he's just bullshitting. Okay, yeah, <laughs> he's that's just, why I messaged you. Because remember, I messaged you like, uh, Tia, uh, what's going on with him? <laughs> I wanted to ask you, because this kind of, we haven't really spoken about it. Um, and I know this isn't, like, on the list or anything. But, you know, this is what we do. We always go, like, off, you know, off trend. What do you think about Cordelia, right, like, and her character in general? Because, again, I sound like a broken record, but she wasn't in the book. Um, And she's a completely different character that is kind of taking the place of Shadow being, like, Wednesday's driver, even though um, she is very different and their dynamic is different. What what are you thinking of Cordelia so far? Okay, at first... Like, as bad as it is, I didn't much care for her. I was like, oh, you know, she seems a little aloof. She seems like, oh, yeah, I'm the bad girl, and I just kind of hang out with this dude. And, you know, it's just like she seemed kind of cocky, I guess. Like, I'm too cool. (laughs) Like, I'm too cool. She almost gave me, like, uh, the girl from The Punisher vibes. You know who I'm talking about? The kid? Oh, yeah, Amy, I think her name was. Yeah. But but I warmed up to her, and the reason I warmed up to her is because she she goes out of her way to help Shadow and explain that, like, like, she cares about Odin. Like, I think, like, every episode we keep seeing a softer, softer side of her. And I feel like she really looks to Odin as, like, a father figure. And it's, like, almost like she just wants to make him happy. But it's extremely hard for her because you can't, like, it reminds me when I was working on the road and I had, like, uh, my boss was, like, much, much older than me. And he said, he said, uh, stop trying to impress me because it's never going to happen because I'm never happy. Like, like, and, and he laughed about it, but it stuck with me. And I feel like that's how Odin is. Like, you almost have to stop trying to impress him because he's never going to be satisfied. Do you know what I mean? I, I agree with you. And you had said earlier that, you know, Wednesday's going to break her heart because Shadow is his son, right? So, you know, even though um the veil gets pulled from shadow's eyes like wednesday still wants him around but i feel like cordelia is expendable to him yeah um that's how i feel about it so i don't think that i like her now yeah 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 no and i agree i felt the same way as you like um you know i i will admit that i kind of thought that it was a little weird to introduce a character that um it knows say like hacking skills and stuff because Wednesday was always so opposed to having like a cell phone and everything. But I think it's just kind of like being like realistic. I mean, it's 2021. What are you doing? Yeah. You need shit. Um, 
I think I started liking her more, say, when she wanted, like, the little scene, right, when they drop Shadow off um, to go to Lakeside, and, you know, she gives Shadow her hat because she's like, I don't want you to get cold. Or oh, when, yeah. or when she, I, I personally loved when they did number thirty-seven. The the heist. The thirty-seven was awesome. I thought <laughs> I, I was highly amused the entire time. I was highly amused, but also like for the dude who got his uh, briefcase stolen. I'm like, really? You just place your briefcase that has really knowledgeable shit on the couch while you go to the fucking buffet. Like, come on. Every, like, everyone knows not to do that. Us women know, like, if you have a purse, you don't just put it on a table and walk away from it. Like, come on, dude. It kind of reminded me, like, whenever I last visited you in New York and we were on the subway and you always tell me, make sure you don't put, because, you know, I always put my phone in my back pocket. And I was like, okay, I get it, you know? And there's just certain things you don't do in a highly public place. Like, I wouldn't be in the middle of Walmart and be like, I need to go do something. Let me leave my suitcase here because there's a good chance when I come back it's not going to be there. That's what I'm saying. I Like, to me, the most unrealistic thing about that whole heist was the fact that this guy who supposedly has a laptop in there that has really sensitive information on it decides to just plop it down on the freaking sofa. Like, you and why idiot. are men so stupid when it comes to women? <laughs> oh, yeah, it's like you see this pretty woman, and they're like, eh? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, you know the wolf, like, old cartoon where, it, like, the tongue lolls out? Yes, yeah. <laughs> In Looney like, Tunes, like, yeah. Oh, my it's God. Just, oh, yeah, no, I mean, he was a sucker for her. I mean, she didn't even have to do anything, really. She just, like, you know, pretty much, like, <laughs> stood there.
I was like, that that is uh, not the way that I expect you to rob a bank, but I guess it's efficient. <laughs> yeah, you know what that reminds me of? There was a... I, you know, I run my parents' eBay shop, right? And I had that exact moment because I got there right at 5, which is when they do the pickup, right? To pick up the mail out of the mailboxes, like by the post office. And the dude had his little cart there, and he just reached out his hand because he was like, oh, and to throw it in the basket. And I was thinking, what if this dude doesn't actually work for the post office? <laughs> and he just took my package and like... It would have been so convenient. It would have been perfect. It would, yeah, no, it's like so convenient. So that's why, to me, I thought that was the most realistic one um, because I could see it, it happening. Very it was very clever. Um, I did the like the one they did in season two with the bishop, where like Shadow acted like the FBI agent and everything. I thought that was good, but yeah. Oh, um, where did they get a jacket? Yeah, 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 yeah. I thought that, that one was good, but scene. that was that, see that was played out. I I did love number thirty seven, right? But I had mm-hmm. to also keep like my expectations down for how fucking convenient everything was. Yeah, <laughs> no, one hundred percent. I agree with it, but um, I loved your number four with Odin uh going to the institution. Let's um, go on to number three. Um, By the way, really quick, I wanted to mention this because I should have put it on my number five as, like, a conjoining. So can I, like, can I alter my number five a little? Do you mind? Yeah. Uh, So my number five is the 1893 technical boy with the automaton. I wanted to mention that I also loved at the end of that episode with Technical Boy running into the automaton. Um, Like, that's, like, like still having it. Like, it's so sad. It's so sad. He still has the automaton, and as he's feeling in his most vulnerable, that's where he goes to hide out because that's where he hid out. Like, oh, my God. Like, oh, like his character is just so like multifaceted, like more so than you would ever think. And I was like, he kept the fucking automaton. <laughs> no, it's so oh. sad because it's like, it almost reminded me of like a child running for their yeah. blanket. Yeah. 100%. That's exactly what it reminded me of. Um, I totally thought the same way. I'm and again, just, it adds so much to Techno Boy. I love it. But yeah, so I just wanted to mention that. Um, with my number five, just with the whole automaton thing, which I looked up a bunch of pictures of those afterwards, and they're fucking creepy. Uh, the Uncanny Valley. Um, everyone, by the way, also my dog apparently is deciding to bark in the background, so if you hear that, don't mind it. But you I'm going to do number three. Tell them. <laughs> uh, as I said, I think that these next few ones are just going to be Technical Boy related, so excuse me, but it's going to be Technical Boy and, for number three, Technical Boy and Bill Quist. Um, yeah. Um, first of all, again, I, I, love, I love their interactions, right? I loved in season one when he, like, met her at the museum. 
And I love this when he's like at the door and he's like, whoa, look at what you're wearing. Whoa, look at this room. Like just so like ridiculous where he's like, wow, look at everything. Amazing. (laughs) Um, And he like tells Bill Quist that he gave like the guy that she was supposed to meet $50 to go like whack off or something. Um, And he has this like whole moment where he's telling Bill Quist that, you know, they're their team is going to win and that she should be a part of their team and all that. And she's telling him no. And he's talking to her about the war. And I love how angry she gets because she's so done where she's just like, what do you know about war? She was like, what have you seen about war? And when she like gets him up against the wall and like pushes her fingers like against his chest and him having this like moment of where to me it looked very like Vietnam War ish where he's yeah. like running through he's running through like a forest and it's raining and he gets shot. Um That's so and then sad. When, it was so sad and then he kinda like wakes up and he's like, what the fuck did you do to me? And he runs out. And it was only until after with a interview with Yatidi Badaki where she says essentially that, you know, her thing is like she had, like she's a love god and she pretty much like has this power to like instill empathy in people. And essentially what she did was essentially just like wake up his emotions like instead of having as this like cold analytical sort of person, like pretty much like opened him up to like what these feelings actually are. Um, and that's so why sad. Like, but, in a I cute way. <laughs> but yeah, so that's, that's what I want. I love their interaction. I couldn't wait for Bill Quist and technical boy to have another scene with each other. And I just love how 100% done she is with him. Like, as I said before, I loved her delivery of just saying no when he's like, we need you on our side. No. (laughs) That's me as a parent. No. No. Um, I loved it. I just, they, their interaction was better probably because, you know, now they've had a few seasons and their characters, their friends and everything. So they just, the whole tension and, interaction between them like i loved when bill quist said to him you know i'm not a prostitute and he's like we all are in some ways you know just pretty much saying like we're all pawns in this like war game that's happening essentially between wednesday and mr world i just you know you think about tech has probably never had any choice but to be with them and be anything else than what he you know currently is that's what i imagine that it seems as if he's never worked independently away from um mr world and i will say that there's a line in episode six i'll tell you after we stop recording but there's a line in episode six that i think also really kind of reveals that oh but i don't know if my heart can take any more of this season but i'm ready for the hurt (laughs) (laughs) i'm ready for it too i'm just like give me more 
give me more. <laughs> I, I'm so happy that there's 10 episodes this season as opposed to the usual eight because I'm like, there's so much that they needed more episodes to tell the story. I know. It's almost like they're they're playing catch up to move the story along because so much other stuff happened, but it's like we're here for it. I'm totally here for it. I'm along for the ride. I'm loving it. Um, so, yeah, so um, my number three is Technical Boy and Bill Quist's scene. Brittany, what's your number two, which is actually which is actually your technically your number one. So let me know what uh, you got for us. I am going to go, I think, with Laura learning that it was never her fault. Oh, my God. That was such an emotional scene. Go ahead. It's like. So, you know, we see Laura Moon, who's getting to see her past, and mm. she won't let the woman just show, like, you know, she's supposed to see, like, her life in full, and mm. we realize, you know, Laura's like, I'm the reason my parents got divorced, I pushed them together, you know, I pushed him to, my father to have an affair, you know, all these things, you know, I'm an awful person, you know, I started their string of infidelity, you know, all these things, and it's like, as it goes on, finally, that one lady loses her patience with her, and she's like, no, you're going to sit, and you're going to watch, and you're like, okay, you know, what's that about, and you sit there, and it turns out she was just a little girl, she didn't push her father to have an affair, he was the one that told her to stay behind so he could go meet this woman, you know, he was the one, like, she didn't hardly say a word, the entire time she was just a little girl and she was just like doing what her father said and that she's lived her life fucking her own life up because she blamed herself for what her dad did and that she could have had a good life but she had so much blame for herself and it's so tragic it's so sad and when she just realizes and starts crying and also when that woman touches her shoulder I felt like Laura needed that. I feel like she's so off-put all the time. But really, that lady just needs a fucking hug. I feel like that's what it is. She puts such a wall around her. And it's like, did you not want to hate Laura at first? You know, I I felt like I never really hated her. I don't know why. Um, I guess because it's like, yeah, she had a lot of flaws. But... I feel like it's okay for people to have flaws. Um, I don't know why. Like, I never really disliked her. Like, I saw – I see people all the time online who are like, I fucking hate Laura Moon. Like, you know, I hate her so much. You know, she's so irredeemable. And I'm like, yeah, she's a bitch and she's flawed and she's made a shit ton of, you know, mistakes and all that. But I don't know. It's like she's so real in that sense that – She's not paid for it million times over well yeah it's like i mean she fucking died like i don't know what else you want like but um you know i i felt that that scene was very sad um when laura says i wish i would have known all this before i started fucking my own life up because you could tell that this is a girl who thought that she was undeserving of love and that 
she couldn't be herself around someone that she always had to put a front on. That's why I always loved her dynamic with Sweeney, right? Because she was truly who she was, a miserable fucking person, right? She couldn't what? be that. She couldn't be that with Shadow. She felt like she had to be this other sort of person with Shadow. Um, and you know, my parents are still together, but I know from a lot of people who have divorced parents that it's a thing that kids blame themselves. And I think that this was, you know, touching upon that where Laura blame. It's like Laura, you're a little girl. How were you to? be blamed for your father you know having an affair how are you to be blamed for a divorce but this is what kids think you know these this is what kids who have divorced parents think you know and not i don't want to overgeneralize right i'm sure there are plenty out there who don't think that i'm just saying that from what i've always heard my whole life it's like that's a that's a huge thing and it was playing with that with this scene with laura it just it was really tragic because could you like I think why like I never hated Laura but I was also like golly she is not a good person like I could, it's yeah. very rare that you ever get a character that's just so unabashedly awful and I feel like the the growth we saw in her was very organic like it wasn't forced. Like, with her, like, realizing it's, like, she loves Sweeney, it's, like, she's not the type that's going to be, like, oh, my God, I loved him, you know, my, you know, he was the love of my life. She's just, like, she never fully says it, but she literally gave up her own chance at life just to, just to have a chance of bringing him back. Yeah. And I'm sorry, she clutches that box like nobody's business. Oh, um. I know. <laughs> She clutches it like she's afraid it's going to get stolen. Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. So I'm like, you know, that that's how it is with Laura. She's not going to say it outright. It's going to be in actions that she's she like reveals. Me- she's her. like Megatha. I won't say I'm in love. But <laughs> but she'll, you know, she'll definitely show it. But, no, I, I love it. Um, this scene with Laura was just so emotional and so, um, like, needed for her character development. I saw a few people who were saying, like, oh, Laura's now regressed, now she's gone back to being a bitch. And I'm like, Laura's never going to be, like, this happy-go-lucky person, you know? It's never going to be the case. I love that she's a human now, and she's still like, I'm going to go kill Wednesday. (laughs) <laughs> nothing <She's> stopped <laughs> I like how she couldn't just help her so she's just like you know what I want him dead I'm gonna kill him I love when she goes to Mr. Ibis by the way um, this is such a small scene doesn't really have anything to do with anything but I wanted to mention it when um, Laura is telling Salim that she should say like go with him but they're like oh I don't have a car and Mr. Ibis is like here take my car and Salim says something along the lines of like oh are you just doing this to be nice or you really want me gone and Mr. Ivis is like yes <laughs> I know he looks so desperate like please please go <laughs> take away. him away from me <laughs> I was like hey you want to out of here <laughs> but I like Laura having the clarity now um and yeah, her crying. I was like, oh my god, she's crying. Have we I seen Laura cry? cry? 
I'm interested to see how her interaction with Shadow is going to be. I know. (laughs) Does it go well or does it go okay? It goes surprisingly well. Um, You know, it's in episode six, which is out now on the Stars app, so you can watch it. Um, and by the time this episode goes up, too, it'll definitely have been out. So, no, I mean, it's it's a nice interaction. Actually, to me, I feel like it's the best fucking interaction they've ever had. Um, because I'm ready I for it, though. Yeah, because I think Laura and Shadow have finally realized that their relationship will never be, like, um, a romantic one, you know? Um, yeah. and, and I'm okay that's with like, that. I'm okay, like... They could be friends. I, you know, I have no problem with that. Just like I don't think they're good with each other romantically, and I think that the both of them have realized it. But Brittany, I'm really surprised that for your like five picks, that there's no Chernabog on here. Okay, I actually I forgot. So now I kind of wish I did, but uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, we can talk waking about that situation this morning. I was a little rushed. Well, um, we can definitely talk about honorable mentions afterwards. So, you know, that's perfectly fine. Uh, I'm here yeah. for it. But great number two. Let's go, get down to the number one on our top ten American Gods season three moments so far. Um, for number ten, we have Shadow and the Old Lady. For number nine, we have Miss World's introduction. We have um, Demeter's introduction. For number eight, we have, for number seven, Hinselman introducing Shadow to Lakeside. For number six, we have Laura Moon coming back to life. For number five, we have 19, no, not 19, 1893 Technical Boy. Number four, we have Odin going to the institution. For number three, we have Technical Boy trying to get Vilquist back on their side. Number four, we have, not number four, wow. Number two, we have Laura Moon learning that everything is not her fault. And number one, um, I'm sorry, I love Technical Boy and Shadow teaming up with each other. (laughs) I guess too. Together, oh. I, I, I like when he punches him. Not to interrupt when he punches him, and he's like, "That's for lynching me." And he's like, "I apologize." And he's like, "The apology is not accepted and never will be." And I was like, "Oh, holy shit! I forgot he did that." <laughs> I love that. I really like. I sat there and I'm like, "Why did they decide for Shadow and Technical Boy to team up?" Because like, in realistically, their characters like should never team up, right? But yeah. I really feel because the actors, um, you could tell they're, like, really, like, friends outside of things, just, like, Ricky. how they interact. So, yeah, so I'm, like, they probably were just, like, wow, Ricky and Bruce have, like, such a great chemistry with each other. Let's just, like, have them team up. So <laughs> what did you say? So what a beautiful bromance. I love their bromance. Um, so I love it. I love Shadow going to Bilquist. I'll do like a quick recap of the whole events. I love Shadow going to Bilquist's home, seeing it being in disarray. You see Technical Boy at first sitting there crying with his, you know, hands shaking, blood on him, feeling, thinking at first that Technical Boy is responsible. And him, you know, showing Shadow like no I showed up after the fact. This is what happened. Which, by the way, I love, like, the showcasing of Technical Boy's powers this season. 
that he can control the cameras, that he can, you know. I love when Those Shadow's like, what'd you say? I was trying to interrupt. There was a slight delay, but I was going to say him knowing who's calling. Yeah, exactly. Or I just love when Shadow's like, give me the phone. And Techno Boy, like, absorbs it. And he's like, you asshole. Um... <laughs> <laughs> like, you're like, what is that? Don't put it in your mouth. And they instantly, like, shove it in their mouth before you can get it. And you're like, you fucker. Okay. So I love that. And as uh, just as you said, Brittany, I love Shadow, like, slamming his head down on the bar. And he's like, that's for lynching me. And him like, I already told you sorry. He's like, not accepted then, not accepted ever. Um, I, and I love their little, like, road trip where they're, like, in the car. They go get that guy. By the way, wasn't that fucking hilarious when they get the guy and Shadow's acting as if, um, Techno Boy's an alien, and he's like, show him what you can do. And he's like, have you ever been probed before? <laughs> like, I thought that was so funny. <laughs> Techno's like having way too much fun with it. Techno Boy is definitely unnerved, because wasn't he he's like, I will skin you alive. <laughs> I was like, take it down. <laughs> oh, yeah. And Shadow's just like, what the fuck? He was a uh... He was he was uh, he was feeling himself. I love the whole thing. I love then when they're getting gas and Techno Boy's like, Daddy's calling, you know. Um and then when they're getting finally to the facility, right? And Shadow's like, All right, do your thing and he's like, My thing and he's like, Yeah, your thing and he's like, You think I would be here with you if I could do my thing? And when they're looking and by the way, the fact that, like, Shadow had all these guns. Oh, wait, wait, that, isn't that the, no. Is that, that the, the car? The guy that they took. Okay, because I was like, why does he have all these guns? But then I love, like, Technical Boy thinking he's going to get a gun, and he's so excited, and Shadow's like, no, give me that back. Give you don't get back. a gun. <laughs> I just um, God, that's, like, supposed to be much older than Shadow. He's still so childlike. I know. I just love Shadow just being 100% done with Technical Boy, and he's just, like, you know, he's bossing Technical Boy around, and I loved it. I thought it was great. I Um, I think they have great chemistry. I think we're definitely going to see Tech switch sides, though, eventually. I have a feeling about that um i really do because you know the new gods are not serving him you know it's the old gods that are really i mean tech you know even though shadow's not like quote unquote an old god like still more associated with the old gods his team up with shadow um his interactions with bill quist like i think that technical boy is you know being better taken care of, in a sense, by the older gods than the newer gods, um, if that makes sense. Do not, like, treat him like Aaron Boy. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I still got to tell you about what Mr. World says to him in Episode 6 after we're done with this podcast. But, um, yeah, no, I, I really think that Technical Boy should switch sides. You know, it's not even a case of, like, does he? I think he should. Um, I don't think be with the new gods anymore because um, it things are not going in a good direction. But yeah, 
Uh, Technical Boy teaming up with Shadow is definitely my number one. I couldn't wait for that. I looked forward to it. Um, and when it happened, I was elated. I was like, this is what I wanted. Um, when I heard that they were going to team I up. I I loved it. But, um, Brittany, I know that we have probably some honorable mentions, so why don't we get that uh, out so that we can talk about it before we wrap everything up today. I love Chernobog, and I love that, like, uh, Shadow actually thought to bring stuff, and then Wednesday had to one-up him and get better of everything. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I loved Chernobog and that they were having a – a uh, funeral for Zoraya, which um, the actress did just pass away a couple of weeks ago, Cloris Leachman. So, you know, um, she did a phenomenal job as that character. I loved that funeral scene with Chernabog where he was like, oh, you think I won't, you know, I, I didn't forget about the fact that I'm still supposed to kill you, you know? And it's like, all right, just shut up and take the fucking vodka. Um, which I feel like, I feel that everyone brought vodka, by the way. Um, fucking <laughs> Shadow brought it, Wednesday brought it, and I'm pretty sure I saw Mr. Ibis bring it as well. <laughs> I, I forget, was Mr. Ibis there? Oh, wait, yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, uh, Selene, Selene got there. Yeah, Selene was there. I love Selene yelling at Wednesday. Um, and I loved him telling Shadow, you should have let the leprechaun kill him. And I was like, damn, Celine. Um, Someone did a side-by-side comparison to when Wednesday is telling Celine, like, oh, he pumped you and dumped you. Get over it. And it's the same thing that he says to Sweeney at the end of season two where he's like, oh, did she break your heart? Did she leave? Get over it. Oh. That's an asshole. But I loved um, Chernabog and Wednesday doing – what did you say? It's such an unloving asshole for someone that wants to reclaim Demeter's heart. I loved Wednesday and Chernabog doing their little uh, whatever the fuck that was at the funeral. (laughs) Oh, yeah, their little dance, their little, like, war thing, whatever the fuck it was. I forgot what it was called. I like when Wednesday was like, oh, you know, we're going to – I'm trying to think of the word for it. Like, basically, oh, when he implies that he could have grabbed Chernobog, but Chernobog may kill all these old people, and you're like, oh, great. That's great. (laughs) Um, I think it's super interesting having all these, like, war gods in this, like, season. I know Chernobog isn't, say, a war god per se. He's a death god. Same fucking thing. You have Wednesday as a... You have Wednesday as a war god, and Tyr is a war god. Like, I looked him up. Like, he's an actual, like, god in Norse mythology. Um, So that's interesting. Like, Odin's not the only god of war in the Norse mythology. Tyr is as well. Um, Which I think... they all just bow to him. What did you say? They all just kind of bow to Odin. Yeah, I think that's something that is going to get played into later in the season. I just don't you know, understand why introduce another war god if we're not going to have, say, like, a power play, you know? Um, For me, I have a bunch of honorable mentions, so I'll go through them quickly. Um, I love the opening to the season because I was like, oh, that makes sense that Odin gets his worship from, like, Norse death metal bands because, like, that's a thing. (laughs) (laughs) I love 
Yeah, it felt right. Um, I loved Marguerite's introduction, just pointing a gun at Shadow. I I, I loved it. Um, I love Mr. Ivis telling Celine to just go. I thought that was funny. Um, Laura Moon's whole entire thing in Purgatory was great. You kind of mentioned that as well. Um, Bilquis discovering who she was with the help of the Orishas. Um, my honorable mention, so I'm glad you said that because I'm that was sorry. very sorry. No, no, why are you sorry? No, I'm saying like I forgot to add that because I was gonna talk about it, but then I was like, there's a lot to unpack there and I don't know if I have like the right words for it. Yeah, and I I don't know if I do either. It's very interesting. Um, I didn't know who the Rishas were. Um, from my understanding, they're, you know, spirits to help, you know, um, people of African descent. So um, it's like they're there to help Bilquis. Real, like, I was talking to someone, and it's like, I don't think that Bilquist is an Orisha. I think that Bilquist is being helped by the Orishas because yeah. they're there for her. So I think that was the thing. And her just, you know, realizing that she doesn't need to be trapped in that facility anymore, that she has this immense power was really great. Um, and again, like, I just fucking love Bilquist. So, Check you know, anything with her. Out of there, though. Texted, I'm out of here. Oh, my God. As soon as he saw her, he was just like, uh-uh, no, peace. <laughs> I'm out of here. I really think that's because it's like he wanted her to, like, help him. But then I think as soon as he saw her, I think that it just did something in him where it was like, oh, shit. Like, the – I think his emo- I think his emotions are, like, going all out of whack. And they were being even more out of whack being in that – close proximity to her again i think that's what it is because we've seen that like when he's in emotional distress and in the other he starts like really going haywire and i think seeing you know he started going haywire when he saw her it was like something went off in him but i hope that and do they have an interaction in the next episode not in episode six no okay uh, I want to see it. I want them. I want to know. I know. I know. But um, I, I loved how Shadow, though, was looking at Bilquis and all because it's like in general, that's how we should all look at Bilquis. Right. Um, by the way, like Yateti Badaki needs to be in the MCU. She was displaying like big superhero energy in that moment. I, I was like storm in that moment. Right? Like, come on. Um, if she's not Storm, uh, you know, Marvel, what are you doing? But, right. um, Brittany, this is a great top ten. I love that we got together to talk about it. There was so much to talk about, so I'm glad that we're doing it splitting up. For those who are listening, again, this is episodes one through five. We'll get together after the season finale, and we'll do six through ten, um, which will be exciting. Um, and I'm sure we'll have a lot of new scenes for that as well. I saw episode six and I already started writing down notes. Um, so I think that you were already ready. I'm ready. I'm, I'm fucking ready always. But Brittany, um, what are you looking forward to the rest of the season? What do you want happening for the rest of the season? I want Sweeney to come back or at least an interaction with maybe a past Sweeney, like so she can have closure. 
Uh, I want. Oh, I'm trying to think. What else? Do I, want? I want more Demeter. Mm-hmm. I want to see Tech like get a new like lot at life. And also, I want to know if Laura Moon's going to become a god. Oh, that would be interesting. It said she had a powerful destiny, but Mm -hmm. also that makes powerful enemies. Yes, it does. And who said that Shadow could be the only demigod? Very true. Very true. I, I have, like, I just want, I want technical boy to survive this um i want laura moon to accomplish her mission um i'm very interested in seeing the new leprechaun in the street we haven't seen him yet um for those who don't remember we're supposed to get another leprechaun um he's not in episode six so i'm waiting for him yeah i guess they need to go through like laura's you know becoming alive again thing for that but um yeah i'm super excited i'm just here for the ride i want um a great conclusion to season three i want to be confirmed that season four is gonna happen and yeah but um Brittany, before we head out today why don't you let everyone know where they can find you what you got going on next and all that good stuff Gonna say you can always find me on Twitch at itty bitty Brit. I've been playing a lot of Final Fantasy fourteen, which is an online MMO, which I feel like online and MMO should go together and not be two separate words. But uh I've been playing a lot of that. Find me at Twitter at itty bitty Brit Zero where I do a lot of my scheduling. I just, I don't know, I've had a lot of good time streaming lately. Like I always love streaming, but it's just seemed particularly particularly awesome lately so that's where you can find me when you talk about mmo all i think about is world's inc that's all i think about oh, mmos I, I wish i wish tech would bring that up right i just think that's oh god i'll that's something i could dive into at another point but i just think that whole concept is so interesting but um yeah Brittany, i'm glad that you were able to finally come on i look forward to plenty of other sundays with doing the top 10 with you um you know we're we're gonna we're gonna be back we're gonna be back every sunday you're gonna find us well it goes up after sunday but you know what i'm saying we're recording every sunday uh, we'll have some new and exciting top 10 so make sure that you check that out make sure you check out Brittany. as for me um as i said please i would just i would love for people to just support our top 10 we're getting really you know close in our you know numbers and everything um and we are on youtube geek vibes podcast we are like 90 people away from reaching our 1000 subscribers so Please make sure that you check that out. You can check us out. Geek5snation.com has links to all of our social media accounts. We do just so much. We're just here all the time with opinion pieces, reviews, news, podcasts, videos, and all that good stuff. So make sure you check it out. And we will see you guys next time on the Top 10 for Geek 5s Nation. Bye. Bye, guys.